This is the Business Owner Challenge with Brady Marlowe of Execso. As a business owner, you have unique financial challenges, especially when it comes to transitioning your company either internally or externally. In this podcast, we address income planning for complex situations, leadership and ownership transitions, succession planning, exit strategies, generational wealth, and more. And now with a combined three decades of experience as both business owners and financial planners, here are your hosts, certified exit planner Brady Marlowe and credited estate planner Rob Wellendorf to help you navigate those challenging financial and emotional decisions. Hello and welcome to the Business Owner Challenge Podcast. I am Brady Marlowe and back in the saddle today is my co-host, Rob Wallendorf. Hello, Rob. How are you today? Doing fantastic, Brady. Good morning. Great. Let's jump right into it. Last week I did a solo teaser episode highlighting some of the questions we should be asking ourselves about our business's future. Uh, how do I plan to exit? When do I plan to exit? Will it be an external or internal transition? And we have examples of these uh, that we're working on right now. And I thought sharing uh, generally some of those experiences with our audience uh, would give them some prompts, some questions to ask their advisors and, and maybe to ask us as well. So when looking at an internal transfer, if I'm a business owner, when's the right time to start contemplating? And then I'm gonna ask you, uh, what are the questions we should start asking? So when should I start contemplating that internal transition, Rob? Great question, Brady, and I'm sure you could feel my smile. Uh, I often say the day you own your business is also the day you ought to contemplate how you're going to exit and how you're going to, to get out of the business. Um, uh, so many of our business owners have uh, come to us after 25 or 30 or 40 years of being in business. And I'm not certain the day they started, they were thinking about that exit. However, when we meet them uh, in the place that they're at currently, typically we recommend somewhere between two to three years at a minimum, if not perhaps three to five years prior to that, that exit, that event, I know we had talked before about what it takes to get the owner or owners ready for that particular transition or, or that event. And uh, there's a lot of detail behind these two topical areas, but one is the emotional and the other is the financial. And again, there's a lot of detail around that. However, my experience suggests that uh, the minimum would be a couple years prior to that transition uh, where we would begin having those discussions, as I've said, looking through the windshield and being able to see uh, what's most important to them as it relates to not only the business transition, however, also their family, their philanthropy, uh, their lifestyle, and how they see all of those um, connected over the next 15, 20, 25 years. Okay, so I'm a two or three years out, and you say emotional. How do I prepare myself emotionally? Is that emotionally the next phase of my life without my business? Is it um, feeling like I am giving an equal share to employees or my family's getting enough out of the business? What are some of the things uh, emotionally that are going on uh, as that transaction nears? I think the most 
significant emotionally is the business owner trying to understand what life might look like beyond their time of ownership. I think there's quite a bit of uh, fear and uncertainty around purpose. And I want to be cautious here. Uh, uh, I am not a psychiatrist. Uh, However, having time with the owner, having these type of discussions around what's important to them, what's gratifying, what's satisfying, what's motivating and energizing, uh, very often they will identify in in time uh, other activities that are outside of what they've done day to day for the last many, many years. I had a client the other day, um, been retired for a few years, and he just said, gosh, I want to be productive. And he was looking at uh, maybe getting into flipping houses, but um, I find these owners, gosh, have such a high motor that that's what got them there. And it's uh, a transitional period, but that doesn't mean uh, retirement or that they're done by any stretch. Exactly. If I could just expand a little bit on my response and maybe get a little more specific, um, the, the owner oftentimes uh, has some, some issues and some hesitation around control. And uh, in time, this runway, as we call it, preparing for that transition, there really is a lot that can be done with the owner and that next generation to uh, give the owner and the next generation as well confidence that uh, the appropriate duties and responsibilities and activities of running a successful business uh, have been or are being transferred to that next generation. And as the owner observes this, Uh, It's almost like dieting. We just do a little bit at a time and then you'll see some significant results as long as we stick to the plan. That's a great analogy. And to start writing some of this down, I know uh, writing it out, like with the diet, you actually (laughs) understand what's going into your body. Let's look at some areas where I hear uh, questions around uh, valuation. So I'm two or three years out hey, do I need a valuation for my business? Uh, And let's frame that on the internal transfer. Okay. The whole issue of valuation, I think, is significant. Oftentimes, owners uh, say to me, why are you making this so complicated? I will get a valuation, and then I will ask that price for my business. It will sell and I will move on. When you think about valuation, uh, there's literally seven or eight recognized valuation methods and then all kinds of hybrids. So as we talk about or discuss valuation, I wanna pause with the owner and you hear me say, let's just slow down for a moment. We're gonna do this well and do this right and uh, determine what is the time horizon for this particular owner when the transition uh, is to take place. And I'll say is to take place ideally. Uh, And earlier we talked about this two to three year minimum, maybe five to seven years. All of that, Brady, is extremely significant when we talk about valuation. Uh, I I do wanna caution uh, at this time on formal valuation versus an informal valuation. Uh, 
and again, I'm trying to be a little bit generic here between the two, the formal valuation is typically the one that is completed by uh, a certified valuation analyst. For example, you see the designation CVA. Uh, many CPA firms have CVAs on staff and it's a great resource. Other independent uh, valuation firms that hold themselves out that way, uh, all of these would be considered a formal valuation. Formal as I describe it, and try to keep it simple for my mind, but as I describe it, that is a valuation that is uh, signed off on by an expert and it is defensible, uh, most often used in gifting strategies most often used in filing the uh, 706, uh, the IRS form 706 at the death of an owner, uh, most often used in a divorce situation. The reason I'm cautionary on having that formal valuation is uh, oftentimes that formal valuation can cause harm rather than good in this process. Um, I've had a business owner situation uh, two brothers as owners, and one of the brothers uh, was going through a divorce. So, of course, uh, as I just mentioned, needed a formal valuation. Uh, sh shortly thereafter, in exactly 14 months, there was a partner dispute between the two brothers. And uh, uh, the brother that was recently divorced, of course, wanted to use the valuation that was done 14 months prior excuse me, the uh, brother that, uh, that was retaining the business and having the dispute with the recently divorced brother, he wanted to utilize the valuation that was, uh, uh, that was in place based on the 14 month prior divorce. Now the partner that was being divorced, he's like, no, 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 that valuation is much too low. Uh, I wanna have the company valued again. That example alone, I think, highlights two of the issues I'm trying to emphasize. The first is the formal valuation can have some negative effects. Uh, and then secondly, uh, you really need to understand the purpose or the situation before you go out and, and decide what type of valuation to, to have completed. So what I think I've learned there is running out and starting with evaluation isn't necessarily step one. I strongly agree and thank you for summarizing that. Uh, in this horizon of uh, three, five, seven years, we often use what we call a informal valuation as referenced or uh, often a range of value. And this essentially says to the owner, we believe strongly that your company is worth somewhere between uh, X and 120% of X we get that valuation range, which to us is essential as it relates to the planning of harmonizing their income going forward, their desire for legacy, their desire for philanthropy. We really need to understand what value does this asset, does this business hold? It's very important uh, as we're going forward, preparing and planning for that financial aspect of transition. That one question covered a lot of areas I wanted to talk about. Another one is identifying the buyer. I think owners often have an idea of who that internal person is going to be, a key employee, family member. How should they approach 
that person or persons uh, should there, there be questioning questions they're asking uh, from a leadership and ownership maybe they're not ready to be owners how do we determine that um, and this is before we even get to uh, whether they're whether it's feasible that they can purchase the business yeah and I'm even going to have you take uh, one more step back on this if that range of value comes back, I'm going to use real numbers uh, uh, here just because it'll help me and perhaps help our listeners. If that range of value comes back and let's say it indicates the business is worth somewhere between five to seven million dollars in this particular example. And based on the uh, lifestyle of the owner, uh, it, it appears that we really need to uh, achieve the highest in this particular range, we really need to be closer to 7 million in this example, uh, based on the income needs of the owners and their lifestyle and their uh, 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 anticipated expenses going forward. In this example, where we need that higher number, then we'll have to work backwards and, and determine uh, internally, can the uh, next generation whether it's an employee or key person or a, an employee group, or perhaps it's the entire employee group uh, uh, pathing towards an ESOP, employee stock ownership plan, uh, which we certainly can, can discuss in a future podcast. Uh, you know, if that group can handle the 7 million, we've got financial underwriting, and then we also need to underwrite for uh, skills and skill set. Um, from that particular group. So I think those are two significant areas that need exploration. Uh, the reason I wanted to give that range of value is because if we don't believe internally we can capture that particular strike price and the owner, uh, based on what they've described as their lifestyle and legacy and impact and philanthropy, as you've heard so many times, if they need the highest possible number uh, then we have to, in that example, eliminate internal sale, or we have conversations with current ownership to suggest we extend the time that they transition out, giving us additional time to at least uh, buoy the uh, 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 assets and accumulations that uh, they have outside of the business, which obviously ultimately reduces the need for such a high strike price. And if we do determine that number is something that their financial planner has determined uh, meets all their goals, income planning, philanthropic needs, then it does give us some flexibility in how we structure that. I always find it interesting, though, if I hear an owner say, I would like a uh, founder's payment or a consulting payment. And I, I do always want to unpack that as to the why. Is it to achieve an income goal or... Um, Maybe there's something a little beyond that, that they want to tie themselves to the business uh, from, from, from a legacy standpoint. And I do like the uh, skill set underwriting. I had not heard that before. That's a, that's a good term. How about owner carry back? I hear this a lot. Some owners say, I would consider that, don't understand it. What are some either pitfalls or opportunities you've seen when that strategy is utilized in an internal uh transition? I'll highlight internal transition because owner carryback is uh, common. Uh, I'm not sure 
very often it's desired, although, however, though it is common to have owner carry back. On an external sale, uh, you just, just don't see it as often or, or if at all. So internally, when we look at how best to accomplish buying this business, we really have to understand the cash flow. And I mean, understand it intimately and not only understand the cash flow of the entity, but also we uh, as consultants need to make sure that that cash flow is protected and predictable. And there's a process to doing so. Once we understand the cash flow is now protected and predictable, then we can plan with that particular cash flow. Uh, and what I mean by that, connecting to your question on owner carryback, how much uh, cash will be available to meet the obligations of this business going forward? We, of course, have all of their working capital needs, which requires the cash, obviously. Do we have any additional banknotes, uh, uh, term notes that have some length on them that require cash flow? We've got owner's compensation that requires cash flow to meet that compensation. Then we'll look at what we would consider excess. How much excess is there and what type of debt service can that excess uh, support? That helps us determine how much owner carryback would be required as well as the terms of that particular note, whether it's a five-year, 10-year, 20-25-year. Uh, when I say 20-25 years, I'm smiling. Uh, that is much too long for owner carryback. However, the, the point I'm making is if that cash flow uh, is such that the excess is so uh, uh, minimal that it would take 25 years to make that owner carryback note uh, uh, be uh, alleviated, then I don't think that structure on the transaction uh, and transition makes the most sense. Thank you, Rob. Time sure flies. I had nine things written down here and we hit three. The moral of this story is that there are no one word answers to any of these questions. I look forward to unpacking more of these with you. Next week, we will look at external transitions. I think incorporating a letter of intent into our financial plan is something business owners are curious about. We'll explore that. And until then, I challenge you to elevate those around you and to be your best. Thank you for listening. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Business Owner Challenge. Don't leave your business transition to chance. Your family, employees, and community will benefit from a proactive written secession and exit plan. To find out how to start, please contact Brady Marlowe and Rob Willendorf at Execso. Call 402-991-1700 or visit them online at execso.com. All matters discussed during the show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. Advisory services offered through Exexo, registered investment advisor. Exexo and Cambridge are not affiliated. Securities offered through registered representatives of Cambridge Investment Research Inc. Broker-dealer, member FINRA SIPC.